tremendous music of this great choir up under the directionship of Steve Lawrence. Give God a praise once again. We appreciate the gift of God. Amen. Amen. I want you to get your Bibles and stand to your feet as we go to the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter number five. Hallelujah. The fifth chapter of the Gospel of St. Mark, when you have it, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Verse one through six. Let us read together as a family. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Continue. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But, but when, when he, he saw, saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. Can you say amen? amen. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. Great God that you are. Look at somebody and say, help is on the way. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know how long it's been in your life. But the Lord sent me here this morning to tell you, help is on the way. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to declare the word of God. The flower fades and the grass shall wither, but the word of the Lord shall stand forever. I pray over the next few moments that you would anoint me to declare your word with power and with clarity. Thank you for what you're about to do in the lives of your people today. Bless us and we will be blessed. Keep us and we will be kept. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen. amen. On your way to your seat, touch somebody and say, help is on the way. to listen carefully to the word that is preached in this church, you soon begin to recognize that this is more than sermons paraded across a stage from Sunday to Sunday. But they have a certain prophetic undertone 
to the word of the Lord and many things that you've been praying about during the week, God will answer you through the word on Sunday. Uh, it is in the spirit of that answer that I come to preach the infallible, immutable, everlasting, eternal word of God. Because somebody has been asking God, how long? <laughs> how much more can I put up with? If it's not this, it's that. If it's not that, it is the other. And I believe I could hold on a little while longer if I could just believe that help was on the way. I want you to get me out right now. But if you don't get me out right now, just let me know that you have not forgotten me and that you are, in fact, on the way. Touch your neighbor and say, hang on in there. Help is on the way. Oh, God. Oh, God. Help is on the way. Now, some of you, that doesn't particularly resonate with you, and I understand that, and it is primarily because you are going through a stage in your life where you feel as though you need no help at all. Uh, you, you can hit periods of, of such success and phenomenal blessings, uh, one right after another in your life, that you almost feel invincible. Uh, as it were, you get the feeling of being bionic, and you say, you know, I'm fine and I don't need any help. And uh, I, I never will forget when I was a little boy and I was walking down the path with my mother in West Virginia on a very uh, snowy day, and she was holding on to my arm, and, uh, and I thought I didn't need any help. And I said, what you holding on to me for? She let me go and I fell and slid about 20 feet down the path. And when I got through falling and turning upside down, when I got up, I was ready for a little. <laughs> she never let me forget that either. She brought it up the rest of my life. But in that same sense of a child who thinks he can handle more than he can handle. Some of us thought we knew what we were doing. Uh, maybe because we went to school and, and we got a degree. We thought we, we, we majored in business. So we said, I know how to run a business. I got a degree. We hang the degree on the wall. See, I know what I'm doing. But then when you take what you studied in school and you try to apply it in life, it's not too long before you find yourself down on your knees somewhere saying, Lord, some of the things I'm encountering right now, none of the professors told me about, and I'm wondering, can a brother get a little help? Young mothers getting ready to have a child, get all of the magazines on child delivery. 
They read all of the magazines. They go to all of the Lamaze classes and the breathing classes and they have all the techniques and they know exactly what to expect and what to do. And they're prepared for the baby. The crib is ready. The bassinet is in place. They know what colors make children relax. They listen at music and hold the music to their stomach because they've learned the subliminal effects of music on the embryo while it is still in the womb and they become little experts on having a child, but somewhere between <laughs> the labor pains and the birthing of the baby, nothing that is in the book prepares her for the level of trauma she begins to face. And even though she said she was going to have natural childbirth and she didn't want an epidural, she was going to do it nature's way. And then all of a while they hit the button and say, send me something for this pain. I think I need a little help. People today fall in love. They date each other. They go to each other's house. They meet each other's parents. They talk about everything. They go through marital counseling. They go through all types of preparation. They think they know everything about each other. And I've seen them sit in front of my desk and try to counsel them. And they basically were bored. They said, we don't need any counseling. We know each other. We grew up together. I've known her since elementary school. I know her mama and her grandmother. She knows my Uncle Willie, and she met Aunt Sally, and all of that. But after they say, I do, and the honeymoon is over, and they come back to the house, it's not too long before they're fooling around and saying, you know, I may love you, but I need a little help. Life is not as easy as we think that it is. And eventually, sooner or later, we find ourselves in the kinds of predicaments that necessitate the humility of asking for help. Some people are not humble enough to admit that they need help. They go on in their own arrogant way, seemingly thinking that they can handle everything. But there is a level of attack that becomes so overwhelming that you can no longer act as if you have no troubles. You would be surprised, my brothers and sisters, that the people in this room who are smiling and grinning and dealing with issues that are beyond human comprehension. I know as you were coming through the parking lot and you saw a sister moving across the aisle and you said, how are you? I know she said, fine. Don't believe it. We have become professional actors at smiling through pain and acting as if we had no issues, no traumas, or no problems. It is not that we really want to deceive people. It is just that when you have a certain level of problems, your problems are so personal that you feel like, who can I talk to? about what I'm going through. I'm not, I'm not trying to deceive anybody, but my problems are so complicated that, that if, even if I had somebody to talk to, how could I articulate how I feel? Have, have you ever had a problem that you couldn't explain? yourself. You, you didn't even know what to tell somebody you needed. You, you know you need something, but you're not even sure what you needed. Have you ever had a dilemma that was so overwhelming that, that your prayer life got halted because you couldn't figure out what to ask for? Complicated situations and circumstances that are so pervasive and overwhelming that you find yourself just sitting in silence. Unresolved problems will drive you away from people, alienate you, put, on, put you on an island by yourself. 
unresolved problems will discommunicate you from all those around you until you find yourself in an isolated situation, intimidated and insecure. The gentleman that I want to speak about briefly in my text this morning is a young man who has found himself in a dilemma so complicated and so overwhelmed. He had a family, but he was not connected with them. Uh, he had a community, but he did not feel a part of them. He had a home and a life, but problems had become so bad that it had driven him away from everybody. In fact, the Bible says that this man who once lived in a neighborhood, in a community, in a house with a family, had moved out from his family, away from his friends, and found himself dwelling in the tombs. Now, when the Bible talks about a man dwelling in the tombs, it really doesn't resonate with our audience because we don't use this term. And let me take the term tombs out and say this man was living in the cemetery, a living man in a dead place. There he is. He has come to make his abode amongst dead things. And the Bible, when it describes him, says he is living in the tombs. Isn't it funny how you can find yourself in a state that you're really not supposed to be in? Maybe you're not in a physical, literal cemetery, but you're in a spiritual cemetery, uh, uh, an emotional cemetery. You're just in a dead place. Let me, let me talk to you a minute because I know you all have never been in a dead place. <laughs> but I know what it is to be in a dead place. I know what it is to get up and get dressed and put on my clothes and drive to work and nobody know that I'm living in a dead place. I know what it is to paint a smile on my face uh, just because I know you're looking at me and you expect me to smile and keep to myself the secret that right now I am living in a dead place. And when you find yourself living in a dead place, you are so excommunicated from everybody around you that it's hard for people to reach you when you're living in a dead place. Uh, you, you will smile and say the right things, but you really don't mean it because you're living in a dead place. The Bible said this man dwelt amongst the tombs. And he says, and the Bible says that nobody could control him. He, nobody could control him. That they tried, outside people tried everything they could to control him, but he was beyond human control. I'm wondering if there's any brothers in here who have broken restraints. <laughs> crossed the line, gone over the limit. People told you this is as far as you're supposed to go, but you find yourself going beyond the limit. Nobody can control you. People who love you try to tell you you're going too far, but you won't listen because you're three times seven plus and you're a grown man. You can do what you want to do whenever you want to do it and go wherever you want to go. Have you ever seen independence get somebody in trouble? Too much freedom can be a dangerous thing. It's a good thing to have some discipline in your life, to set some boundaries and say, I, I don't go past this point. There's a term in the Bible called lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is unrestrained action. It literally means that there are people who just not only break the rules of other people, but they break their own rules. 
This man had broken his own rules. He tried to chain himself, but he couldn't control himself. Now, I know everybody's sitting here and smelling good and looking good and dressed up, and they look like they're under control. But I came to send you an email this morning. Everybody who looks like they're under control <laughs> is not under control. I want to warn the sisters in this room that every brother who looks like he's under control is not under control. He can open car doors for you and, and shut it gently behind you. He can be the perfect gentleman, uh, but it doesn't always mean that he's up under control. And let me warn some of you brothers that some of these soft-spoken, mild-mannered, hip-shaking sisters who look like they're just so wonderful and so polite, sometimes you don't know till you marry her that you have married Sister Legion. And, and uh, Sister Legion is out of control and you don't know till you get her home and you hit the right button and she flips out on you and you find out that she is. <laughs> out of control. Whatever it is that is eating at this individual is so overwhelming that little by little it pushes him away from society and out of environments. When you have a secret problem that you don't get fixed and you don't get resolved, after a while it alienates you. You can be living in the house with people and still be disconnected from them. You can go to work with people who say they know you and they really don't know you. I always look with amusement as people uh, write articles in the paper about people who committed suicide or uh, came in with a gun and started shooting everybody and the people are standing there saying, you know, we know him. There was nothing in his life that would make him like that. We know Jim. Jim is a nice person. I, I smile because you don't know anybody. Oh, y'all don't believe me. Let me tell y'all, you really don't know anybody. You think you know them. You don't even know your own children, not for sure. You don't, you, stop telling people what you know your child will not do. And, and just start saying, I hope. <laughs> y'all aren't going to talk to me. Just tell them, I, I hope she wouldn't do that. I, I, I don't, I've never seen him do that before. But don't sign no affidavit. Don't sign the house away. Don't, don't hunt the car saying that you're sure because life will teach you that desperate people do desperate things. This is a desperate man who is driven out into the tombs and now he's in a hopeless situation. The interesting thing about this man is that the Bible is clear that he is violent and that he is angry and that he has a compulsive disorder and that he has the type of personality that almost sounds bipolar. At one moment he's fighting, nobody can control him. He's breaking chains and the man who's breaking chains at one moment is sitting in the floor crying the next. Isn't it funny how we can be so externally powerful and angry and then be internally depressed and disturbed? The Bible said that there he is in the tombs crying day and night and cutting himself with stones. Now, I'm going to get kind of heavy here for a minute, but I just want to ask you a question. Is there anybody in here who knows what it's like to cut yourself? Have you ever been your own worst critic? <laughs> 
Everything you do, you scrutinize it and tear it apart. You criticize yourself. You don't need anybody to tear you down because you tear yourself down. You beat yourself up and left by yourself. You just begin to corrode emotionally and spiritually because you are in a dilemma. This man was in the tombs and the whole neighborhood knew he was in the tombs and nobody came to get him. I have learned from dealing with children that were dysfunctional that not only is particularly children that have been abused, not only do they grow up and become angry at the abuser, they also become angry at the people around them who knew and did nothing about it. I don't care what you say, when you really get down low enough, not only do you get angry at the person who took you through changes, but you have a tendency to get angry at all the people around you who knew you were hurting and never came to get you. It means that secretly down on the inside, all of us have this prevailing hope that somebody will come to get you. <laughs> uh, we have this Prince Charming mentality that if, if you drop enough handkerchiefs down out the window, somebody's going to ride by on a horse and pick up your handkerchief and rescue you. But what do you do when you send out every signal that you know how to send and nobody comes? What do you do when you get down on your knees and you pray for somebody to come and alleviate your dilemma and nobody comes? My, one of my problems that I have with testimony service, when we used to have testimony service in the old church, is that people always testify about when God answers, but I need you to tell me what to do. <laughs> Now, I, I don't need you to tell me how to react when the check came just two days before they cut off the water. I need you to tell me what to do when they cut off the water and the check hasn't come. I, I, I don't need you to tell me how God gave you a job and you're shouting the victory. I need you to tell me how to believe God while I'm waiting on a job. I, I don't need you to tell me how to survive when everything is going well and I have somebody in my life who loves me. I need you to tell me how to survive when I'm laying next to somebody who acts like the bed is empty and I'm not in the world. See, we need some real people with some real testimony about some real situation. Oh, y'all aren't going to say nothing to me. But the problem I have with testimony services is that the real testimonies were never told. Oh, you'd be shocked if we had a real testimony service this morning. If you really got to see what the brother next to you and what the sister next to you was really going through, it would make you shake your head in amazement. They're sitting up there looking all cool, calm, and collected, but you don't know the hell that they came through to be where they are right now. In fact, my brothers and sisters, you don't know some of the stuff that they're dealing with right now. It's not enough for me to tell you that a lot of us have come through hell. I want to tell you that a lot of us are going through hell right now. There are some people in this room that are dealing with stuff so complicated that they can't even focus on the sermon. Their mind keeps going back to a situation that they've got to deal with Monday when they get to work. They've got to deal with when they go back home. There are people who are in a marriage that hadn't worked right for 15 years and they're trying to decide, will it ever get any better at all? And as much as they want to 
hear the sermon, they keep going back in their mind thinking about how miserable they are. And they said, I don't know how much more of this hell I can take. Now, I know you strong people think that everybody who gives up gives up because they're weak, but there are some troubles that'll bring a strong man down to his knees. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying to you. There is a level of hell that you can go through that is so overwhelming and so complicated that you begin to wonder, I'll never get out of this. Have you ever become weary in well-doing? Have you ever felt like giving up? Have you ever felt like throwing in the towel? This is it, got to split, I quit. Get me out of here, I'm sick of this, I want out. If you're in here and you know what I'm talking about, make some kind of sign or noise. Have you ever had a child and loved a child but couldn't raise the child you had? Have you ever really been on a job, excited about a job, and then got sick of the job that you used to be excited about? Have you ever fell in love with somebody that later on you wish they would get out of your life? You wanted to burn their pictures and erase their memory out of your head. I know you can't say nothing, just keep looking straight ahead, but the Lord sent me here to preach a sermon. My God, my God, my God, my God, my God. Tell somebody and tell them you can't handle my testimony. Uh, if I gave my real testimony, it would blow your mind. It would rattle your knees. It would make your head bob. It would make your liver quiver. If I told you all the things I had to stand up to, to be who I am right now, you couldn't handle my testimony. I have to give you the PG version because you couldn't take the R-rated version of what my life is really all about. Oh, but when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done, that he's done, that he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. When I was down in the tombs and all hell was breaking loose, thank you, Lord. When I felt like giving up and throwing in the towel, thank you, Lord. Somebody give him 60 seconds of praise. Touch three people and tell them something's about to happen in here. Uh, Isaiah said, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm wondering, do you know what it's like to be waiting on something? And you don't even know what you're waiting on. But you just feel like waiting on something about to die, but you say, I'm going to wait a little longer. I'm going to go to bed and hope tomorrow is a better day. Oh, y'all ain't never gone to bed like that, but, but I, I know what it is to go to bed and just hope that in the morning I'll feel better than I do. Weeping may endure for a night, oh, but joy, joy is coming in the morning. Tell somebody, tell them it's coming, it's coming. 
meanwhile, while this man was dealing with his devils, while this man was weeping in the tomb, while this man was cutting himself with stones, while this man was wondering about his marriage, his home, and will he ever get his job back? Will he ever get his standing back in the community? Meanwhile, while this man was wondering about his self-esteem and his dignity and how could I get this old and have all of these things and still be unhappy. Meanwhile, while this man was dealing with his devil. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm wondering if anybody can be honest enough to tell me you got some devils to deal with. <laughs> I know you're saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues and you got power all in your toenails and your gums are filled with the anointing of God. But can we be real for a minute? Isn't it true that if you keep on living, you got some devils to deal with? Tell somebody, tell them, I got some devils to deal with. These aren't just problems. These aren't just anxieties. These aren't just dilemmas. I got some devils to deal with. Some of this stuff that's fighting me, it's not natural. It's supernatural. Hell breaking out on every hand. Going through sickness that don't make any sense. Problems that don't make any sense. Trials that don't make any sense. You got some devils to deal with. Touch three people and tell them I got some devils to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I came to church because I got some devils to deal with. Some of them are waiting in the car. Some of them are waiting at the house for me to get back home. Some of them I work beside in the morning. I got some devils to deal with. Some of them are in my mind. Some of them are in my childhood. Some of them are in my past. Oh, but I got some devils to deal with. I'm not here because I don't have no troubles. I got some devils to deal with. You can say whatever you want to as you celebrate your 10th wedding anniversary, your 25th wedding anniversary, your 50th wedding anniversary. You sit up there smiling and taking pictures, but the real deal is you made it, but you had some. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Before you write your book on how to stay together for 50 years, be sure in the forward that you admit we made it, but we had some. Yeah, it wasn't no straight line, but it was a crooked path. And sometimes I had to duck down. And sometimes I had to leap fast. Sometimes I couldn't say what I thought, because if I'd have said what I thought, we wouldn't be married right now. I... All of this chaos was going on in the tombs, in the dead place. Meanwhile, on the other side of the sea, the water walker. The devil chaser. The heart fixer and the mind regulator had gotten 12 of his boys together. They didn't know where they was going, but he said, let us pass over. 
to the other side. It is no coincidence that when they started crossing over the waters that a storm broke out. See, if, if you would have read the chapter before this chapter, you would find out that Jesus was on his way to the other side when the storm broke out in the middle of the sea. And the Bible, excuse me, but I feel like preaching. And the Bible says that Jesus was asleep down in the bow of the ship. The lightning was flashing. The thunder was rolling. But Jesus was trying to get some rest because he had an appointment on the other side. He had some devils to destroy on the other side. He had some prayers to answer on the other side. And there he was in the bottom of the ship getting some rest. The ship was being steered by Peter, an experienced fisherman. He understood how to steer to the other side when a strange storm broke out. Watch out for strange storms. Strange storms always precede great miracles. <laughs> hey, y'all better come get me this morning. I said strange storms always precede great miracles. If you live long enough, you'll come to understand that the storm is a sign that something is about to happen. And if you can stand the storm, it won't be long, baby. You're going to anchor by and by. I want you to understand why the storm broke out. They would have never sailed if they would have seen the storm. Peter was too wise to put that kind of boat in that kind of jeopardy. But even though it started out as a clear day, halfway there, the sky went black. Have you ever started something and it looked good when you started it? And halfway there, the sky went black. I want to submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that this was not a normal storm. But because the demons knew that help was on the way, because legions of demons knew that the only one who could cast them out was making his way to the other side. Can't you see the demons when they had a board meeting? said, we got to do something real quick. If we don't hurry up and stop him, he's going to come and cast us out. And so let's do what we can to disrupt help from coming to the other side. You send the lightning, and you send the wind, you send the waves, and you send the rain. But through it all, Jesus kept on coming. Touch somebody and tell them help is on the way. Don't let the storm intimidate you. Let, don't let the storm bother you. The storm is only a sign that the help was on the way. Lord, I was driving the church this morning. And I said, Lord, it sure is a dreary day 
rain coming down everywhere. It sure does look a mess out here. I said people probably won't come today because there is a storm. But to my surprise, when I got here, I found out that God had somebody else who knew how to drive through a storm. Isn't it ironic that God would send me here on a rainy Sunday morning to tell you to keep on driving through the storm? Sometimes you can't see your way clear, but keep on driving through the storm. Sometimes a car may slide, but keep on driving. Touch somebody and say, I gotta get through this. The Bible says that the storm was so fierce that Peter began to think that they weren't gonna make it. Is there anybody here who ever got so deep in trouble that you begin to wonder, am I gonna make it? Well, the devil is a liar. I came to tell you if you hold out a little while longer, God is gonna give you the victory, whoever I'm preaching to. The only reason you got a storm is because the devil knows that help is on the way. Touch somebody and say, don't let this kill you. This too shall pass. Praise God for the Passover. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise Him! Now I understand why Jesus was asleep in the middle of the storm and everybody else was screaming and having a fit. But Jesus was asleep because he said, this ain't nothing but the devil. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but that bad news you got this week, you need to just lay down and go to bed and say, this ain't nothing but the devil. The devil knows that I'm too close to the victory. I'm too close to my deliverance. I'm too close uh, to my breakthrough. Oh, oh! Flop somebody and say, I'm too close. Oh, yeah. The Lord told me to come to church this morning and preach to somebody who's living in a dead place and you've been wondering, did God hear your prayer? And you've been wondering, when am I gonna get out of this? 
and you've been wondering when am I gonna get out of debt and you've been wondering when is my life gonna straighten out the Lord sent me as a forerunner saying there's one coming after me who's mightier than I and this sermon is a sign that help is on the way don't give in don't give up don't give out, but touch your neighbor and say, help is on the way. When they woke up Jesus, the Bible said he stood on the bow of the ship and said, peace, be still. Peace, peace, be still. Somebody just jump up and down for a moment. I'm thanking God for the stuff he stopped. I'm thanking God for the stuff he moved. I'm thanking God for the stuff he fixed. Have you ever gone through a storm and just in the nick of time, God stopped it. Slap somebody and tell them the struggle is over. The struggle is over. After this, you're going to get your miracle. After this, you're going to see your God. After this, you're going to see your deliverance. After this, God's gonna show you his favor. Somebody help me praise him. Yeah! Yes! Yes! Push somebody and tell them it's almost over. It's almost over. It's almost over. It's almost over. Oh yeah. Shout yes again. Shout yes one more time. Clap your hand and give God a praise and pray. In my text, the writer takes the time to tell you that when Jesus landed on the other side and set his foot off the boat, there was a man in the tomb who came running out to meet him. And the Lord sent me here to tell you that he came through the storm just to bless you. And he came through the warfare just to bless you and what the devil meant for evil God is going to make it good somebody say yeah somebody say yeah. Oh, I feel like having a church this morning yeah 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 Touch five people and tell them help is on the way. 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 
Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Who am I preaching to? Who am I preaching to? Give the Lord some praise. Yes! 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 Look at this. The demons had this man so tied up that it had brought him down to nothing. But when the man looked out from the graveyard and saw Jesus coming, he starts shaking devils loose and running out to meet the Lord. And the Bible said, in spite of his devils, he began to worship the name of the Lord. And I came to tell you, in spite of your devils, if you would give God some praise this morning, said he had legions of devils all kind of devils all kind of problems how many folk got all kind of problems but touch a neighbor and say neighbor ain't none of these devils gonna stop me from praising God because I see my help I see my help
tomb so long that you refuse to praise it. But it's not my job to make you praise it. It's my job to tell you that help, help, help is on the way. It's on the way. It's on the way. Get ready, get ready. Get ready. Get, 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 get. When the preachers would get to preaching, they'd touch their neighbor and say, I feel my help coming. Some of y'all that's been going through a long season of trouble, touch somebody and tell them, I feel my help coming. I feel my help coming. I feel my help coming. You know, when Jesus cast the devils out of this man, the man asked the Lord a question. He said, let me go with you 
I could understand why the man wanted to go with Jesus because once you've dealt with a real bad situation, sometimes you're afraid to go back to being on your own again. But the Lord told him to go back home. And when I was meditating on it, I realized that had the man went off with Jesus, he would have been delivered, but he wouldn't have been restored. The Lord said, I'm not just going to deliver my people, but everything you lost, hear what I'm saying? Everything, everything you lost. God said, I'm not going to rest till you get it back. I want you to get it back till your neighbors see you get it back. I want your kinfolks to see you get it back. I'm gonna bless you to your co-workers. See you get it back. Shout yes! Now, everybody who's been saying, Lord, just get me out of this mess, God said, no, that won't be enough. I'm not just gonna get you out of it. I'm going to give you back everything that the canker worms, the palmer worms, the locusts ate up, everything that you lost. God said, I'm just not going to deliver you. I'm going to restore. Now, if you haven't lost anything, that's not good news. But if you ever had to downsize, cut back, give up, do without, go through humiliation, secret frustration, make the best out of a bad situation, don't worry, it's not going to end like that. God's going to give you double for your trouble. And uh, it's my job to tell you that the story isn't over yet. The Bible said when that man came back into town, clothed and in his right mind and walked up on his front porch and sat down and started drinking iced tea. People came from everywhere and they were amazed because they had ridden him off. They were amazed at how God restored everything he lost. <laughs> I feel like this is one of those messages that fits somebody 
real good. You can forget me, you can forget what I had on, you can forget what Sunday was, but whatever you do, don't forget, help is on the way. Clap your hands and give God glory. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Oh God. Help is on the way. While your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, you ought to just thank God down in your soul for help coming into your situation right now. To the backslider, to the sinner. When the man with all of his devils looked up and saw Jesus coming, he didn't do like Adam did and run from him. He ran toward him and came and worshiped him. He said, this is what I've been missing. He ran to Jesus and worshiped him and Jesus rebuked all of his devils and set him free. Sinner, backslider, you ought to run down to this altar. Give your life to Christ and let the Lord deal with your devils. You can't do this by yourself. You better get some help. We have a God who knows how to deal with the devils that have been dealing with you. Don't make the mistake I did. I told mama, turn me loose. I can make it on my own. When she turned me loose, I almost broke my neck. You need to come to God and say, pick me up. I can't make it without you. My head's about an eye of the clothes. I appeal to every backslider, every sinner in this room. Press your way through the crowd. Step into the nearest aisle and come down to this altar. Our ministers are ready to minister to you. If you see Jesus coming, run out to meet him, brother. Run out to meet him, sister. Come on down to this altar. Help is, <laughs> hallelujah, on the way. That's right, don't be ashamed, come on down. Come on down, young lady, come on down. Mama, come on down. The Lord is calling you. Uh-huh. Don't wait too late, don't